0: I would say that improv is a dumb, stupid, and silly thing, but that's the reason you should do it, because um, we all need a little more dumb, stupid, and silly uh, in our lives. I'm no rock climber, but I just don't see it being the same, because I'm sure they have a wonderful community.
1: Andy hates rock climbing.
0: If there's one thing you get out of this podcast, everybody, it's that I hate rock. Like, just Just use the stairs. I mean, why you got to climb the rock?
1: Welcome to Time to Heal. My name is Emily Giannizelli, and today I'm talking to Andy McIntyre about improv comedy.
0: Hello, everybody. My name is Andy McIntyre. I am a public school educator and improviser in the Baltimore area, and I'm happy to be on this podcast.
1: Cool. Well, thanks so much for talking with me. Of course, today. Yeah. I realized that I didn't send you the questions in advance, but like, you're such an expert improviser. <laughs> <laughs> I'll um, be fine. Yeah. I think that you'll be fine. And, I, <laughs> and like I told you kind of like what I wanted to talk about anyway. So, yeah. And, um, we met because you were my improv teacher, the 201 class.
0: Yep. That's oh, correct.
1: correct. Yeah. So how would you describe improv to someone who has never heard of it?
0: Um, One, I'd be a little surprised that at this point, someone had never heard of improv. Um, It's become a pretty big thing, you know, with uh, the comedy world, almost everybody has an improv background. But um, I think there's sort of two ways to talk about it. Uh, When you talk about improv as a show, uh, it is a it is live theater made up on the spot. Uh, You are seeing uh, the performers on stage create their first draft of something live and in person. Uh, and there's that sort of danger of it could go anywhere, it could go nowhere, uh, and you, and you, so you're sort of in on it with them, and you're building the show with them simultaneously, um, and that's sort of the show aspect. Uh, when you think about improv as a discipline, you know, learning a skill or whatever, uh, improv is learning how to uh, take in information, respond to it in the moment, and... Uh, add on it and build and grow. And it's uh, a lot of it is just about, you know, building things with other people simultaneously and accepting the information that's presented to you and then um, putting your own self into it as well. Uh, And that is a really long definition of the term. Yes. And
1: nice. (laughs) No, but that's also really good. I, I know that people, everyone's heard of improv, but I feel like it can be helpful sometimes just like go back to the beginning and like redefine what we're talking about together so absolutely for that. yeah yeah um so as i mentioned to you earlier um like in my own experience improv has been like a huge part of like my healing and sort of recovering like a sense of confidence like to be able to do things without relying on um like medicine and i, I you know reached out to ask you to talk about it and you said you had thoughts about that so
0: oh um yeah i mean uh. <clears throat> Something that for everybody that does improv, I don't feel like I've talked to anyone that regrets doing improv in any way. I mean, I'm sure they may have regrets about specific situations that came out of a lot of the other sort of BS that sometimes goes along with just interpersonal interactions. But the actual like lessons and tenets of improv, I feel like, generally uh, improve people's lives. And a lot of people do use it as a substitute for therapy, which it probably shouldn't be. Um, because none of us, none of us that are teaching improvs are in any way therapy professionals or anything like that. But at the same time, um, you know, that improv teaches a tremendous amount of vulnerability and, um, that's really what brings about change. If you want to make a change in your life is that you have to be vulnerable. Like literally every, every, like talk about how to like change behaviors is you have to be vulnerable to. That change and you have to be willing to be in a position to accept it. And that's one of the biggest things that improv does is, you know, if you want to do whatever, you have to be vulnerable to feel more emotions, or you have to be vulnerable to admit that you have an issue that you need to address, or you have to be vulnerable uh, to admit that you need help. Um, and so improv does a great job of teaching vulnerability. And if there's one thing that I think every good good improviser is, is that they are vulnerable and willing to be affected by what happens. You know, they don't put up walls. They... Uh, just let let things in and see how it impacts them. Because uh, a lot of times we, as a society, vulnerability is associated with weakness. Yeah. Um. You know, when you talk about like the vulnerable point, you know, in video games or whatever, like that's where you attack, you know, the, you go after where it's vulnerable or in sports, you know, where a team is vulnerable, that's where you send your attack at. But uh, really in like an interpersonal level, vulnerability is sort of the ultimate strength is admitting that this is, um that you know letting that change happen letting things in is sort of the most important thing that you can do as a person.
1: Yeah. I remember like in it in, in the 101 class. This was I think it was like on the first class, like on the first day we did this. And you've taught 101, so I'm mm-hmm. sure you've done this exercise like with students too but um we did the thing where you have like an imaginary ball and then you like throw it across the room and you pretend to drop it. And then you say, I failed. And everyone cheers for you. And I remember like getting like choked up at that, that part of the game. Like it was so dumb. I mean, it wasn't so dumb, but it was just like, I would never been in a situation like that where we were like, it, like it was so uncombative, you know, like no one was going to come and like take advantage of you in this in this, like, moment of failure?
0: Yeah, so uh, that particular uh, game or exercise, whatever you ca- call it, is called Loser Ball. Okay. <laughs> I <laughs> um, never
1: knew that. That's such a fun name. Okay. Yeah,
0: um, it was invented by uh, an amazing woman, an amazing improviser named Jill Bernard out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, and she uh, writes a book called The Small Cute Book of Improv that's a great little primer for Wait, people. what is it called? The Small Cute Book of Improv. Okay, okay. Um, and she's just... An absolute delight of of a human being. And uh, yeah, and that's sort of the thing where, um, and what I love about that is that it's not like you're celebrating an actual failure you make, you're intentionally failing and then getting rewarded for it. And that's, that's one of the great, it's one of my favorite improv exercises. Whenever I teach like intro workshops, whenever I teach uh, beginning classes, I always do that workshop because I think it just creates that super safe environment that people can feel. Uh, just really comfortable in, cause then yeah. like you're trying to look as dumb as possible. And yeah. um, that's a great thing about improv too, is that like you end up having the most success when you just really go and try to look as dumb as possible. And um, that's how you win the audience over. And that's how you, you know, have, have fun in a lot of ways is that, you know, actually by losing. Yeah.
1: Yeah. 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 <laughs> that's so funny. So as a teacher of improv, like as you know, if we're thinking of it as like therapy, right. You're like the
0: therapist. Um, in some ways. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm sure that you see a lot of people come in, like especially like at earlier levels that do like put up walls. Like, do you, what do you do to get, what do you do to create like a vulnerable environment or an environment where like it's okay and safe for people to feel vulnerable?
0: Um, I, I do think like those silly icebreaker games, like just getting people to look silly. Um, and and just getting people to, you know, drop that down. Cause if you're taking an improv class, if you're taking that leap in the beginning, you're already a little bit ready. Right. Like I'm not going into a boardroom of executives like barging my way and saying, All right, guys, we're gonna do some improv. Like that's not <laughs> how it works, right? That's um outside of like kids who get stuck in high school drama classes, no one ever is forced to do improv. Like it's you know, it's it's always a choice. So they're already in a decent headspace to Let go a little bit, but then, you know, doing exercises and, um, you know, doing things like that, that just get them to be silly. And also modeling is a huge thing. Just, you know, being vulnerable with the class and letting them impact you, uh, and showing that this is how you're absolutely the silly that you're not judging them, that you're not doing anything like that is a huge thing. And one thing that I always start, uh, whenever I talk about, whenever I teach improv, especially, um, I always talk about good discomfort and bad discomfort. Uh, and the, the idea that good discomfort is that area where you're growing and changing and it feels weird, but it also feels kind of good. And, you know, that's where you can make leaps and be vulnerable, let people in, do things. And uh, the bad discomfort is when you start to feel unsafe, start to feel, yeah, you know, it's, it's, it feels dangerous. You feel panicky. And, um, I tell people, you know, like, please, if you start to even inch into that zone, we need to stop. We need to debrief. We need to talk about what got, what got to that situation, why it got there so that we can get back into that good kind of discomfort where you can learn something new and develop a skill um and just and just that level of openness i think goes a long way so um improvise people taking an improv class are a very captive audience to be vulnerable and open um you'll always get those people that are too cool for school um and even like the i people
1: who think that they they sign up for like stand up stand up or something
0: right um and even i mean i even when i started doing improv i had cuz uh years of Irish Catholic upbringing have made me surprisingly stoic, you know, shocking. (laughs) I know, um, (laughs) that, uh, you know, someone with that kind of, of guilt and shame built into their, their upbringing could have, uh, you know, a bit of a wall up and, uh, you know, that, but that's
1: Just
0: (laughs) just, just, just a little one, you know, um, you know, there was a lot of breaking that down and, you know, um, I'm a naturally pretty witty and funny guy. Um, and that was one of the things that attracted me to improv. But uh, sometimes wit is the death of good improv uh, in a lot of ways where cause you're just kind of quipping about the thing and you're commenting on it and not being in it, which is like a big thing with improv. Um, and so just getting that more to be more open and uh, do that is is a huge thing. So it's just, you know, like getting people to stop trying to be funny and just be funny is sort of the way it happens. Yeah.
1: I think that's like really interesting too, because I think that, one of the super cool things about improv and like, I'm like my, my like sort of journey with like ADHD, like kind of goes parallel with improv. So I just think of it that way. But I, I think that there's this, um, it like requires you to be super present and to like pay attention and to get out of your head, you know, like you, and you have to, I remember like the one game in your class and we were like doing like the the one year anniversary thing and and like the I was doing it with John Bacher and I like we had to like notice something that they were doing. He was like talking with his hands. And it was just it was really surprising to me that that the funny thing like didn't come from anywhere else except for just like right there. Like it was just all I had to do was like not think and like pay attention.
0: Yeah. It's um I know a ton of improvisers that have attention deficit issues, uh, whether it's ADD, ADHD, whatever. Um, And in some ways uh, that can kind of be a superpower for improv because like when you have an attention deficit, you're processing a ton of information because you can't shut things out you know, it it manifests differently in everybody, but like one way that it manifests is that you like can't shut things out. And, you know, that's, that's sort of like squirrel, like that type (laughs) of ADHD thing. Um, and so you end up being able to like notice those things and, you know, you sometimes take in more information, uh, John Winmuller, who I do an improv duo with, and is one of my best friends, like he is extremely ADHD, uh, and, Um, has learned, you know, over years and years of doing it to really challenge it, channel it into being like sort of an improv superpower. So,
1: yeah. Like how much do you think that the aspect of community factors into the beauty of improv?
0: Um, it's a huge thing. Uh, one thing I frequently talk about with people and frequently joke about with people, uh, is the fact that there is literally no protocol for making friends as an adult, like none. Um,
1: Unless you have kids, and then you just set up play dates for the kids, and then you, yeah.
0: Right, but then, look, <laughs> but then, like, you're 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 almost work acquaintances and not actually friends. I mean, you may become friends, yeah, but but that's it's interesting with like dating. Like, there's a protocol for dating, you know. Um, there's like, like it, it's weird if you go up to someone at a bar and try to be friends with them. <laughs> like that's a weird thing to do, but, but it's, it's not weird to go up bad. to someone at the bar and like try to date them like that's not unusual you know um or like so it's just there isn't that protocol so you know and it doesn't have to be improv it could be pottery it could be whatever you know rock climbing softball or something softball yeah. bar trivia whatever like you know it's getting those social things but i know for me um when i i moved to maryland in 2006 uh and like, didn't have, like, I had my wife, but I didn't have a lot of friends, like, just local. I mean, I had friends, like, that I grew up with that we're still in touch with, you know, and all of that. But I had some coworkers that, like, maybe we'd hang out after work or go to a happy hour or something. But, like, didn't really have friends. And um, really, it wasn't until I started doing improv that, like, I really made, like, friend friends. And some of my absolutely best friends are people that i met doing improv. Um, so, like, that community aspect. And it's just improv is so built on the word. Yes. That everybody sort of gets welcomed in or should get welcomed in. Um, Interpersonal dynamics can always have issues with that. You know, there's um, and it's, even though it's, you know, it's improv, it's yes. It's like, welcome. It's all, you know, open. It's still, you know, theater and theater by nature is a little bit clicky. You know, there's like the people that get cast, the people that don't get cast, the in groups, the out groups, that's any social dynamic, but um, I don't know. I feel like, uh, so many people have found their tribe with improvisers in a way that like, I'm no rock climber, but I just don't see it being the same. I mean, I, I could see it being supportive and helpful, but I just like, I'm, I'm not picking on rock climbers or anything, but, um, cause I'm sure they have a wonderful community. Andy
1: hates rock climbing.
0: If there's one thing you get out of this podcast, everybody, it's that I hate rock, like just just use the stairs. I mean, why you got to climb the rock? Ugh. Just
1: look it's, at them. Just look at them. Don't climb it.
0: Yeah. Like we invented elevators. Come, come on, people get with the program now. Um, But you know, it's just um, that I think improv I've seen. So, and it probably is just also like my narrow bias. Cause I haven't, once I found improv, I was like, all right, I found yep. my group. I'm, I, I'm, this is my, this is my tribe. This is my, this is my, you know, social network. This is my family. So I didn't look at other places to find them, but. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a really great thing. And, um, anyway, that, cause humans are social animals, you know, by, by design that we are operating a society and just, you know, finding that social aspect is, is so incredibly important to
1: yeah. everything. So what, how did you, so you moved to Maryland in, in 2006 and then yeah. that's when you started doing improv.
0: No, I actually didn't start doing improv until 2011.
1: How did you get started doing it?
0: Um, I don't want to do this story. So uh, you might remember when when you saw the mental health show that I did. So um, I've struggled with depression pretty much my entire life. And when I first moved to Maryland um, and I was teaching in Baltimore County and uh, was putting a lot of pressure on myself because... Being a new teacher is very hard, uh, being a teacher in general, but especially being a new teacher is incredibly hard and, um, was in a very dark place for a lot of that year. Uh, you know, went to therapy, um, took, uh, antidepressants, you know, all that still on antidepressants, but, um, you know, so that put me in a dark place, uh, so I wasn't going to be, you know, going out and making the yuck yucks during that year. Uh, but then um, changed jobs, got the job I currently have that's in Howard County, Maryland. And, um, you know, just was busy. But then was, something was there was just this itch. And I'd always kind of regretted not doing improv when I was in college. Because uh, a few of my friends were part of the college improv team there. And yeah. um, had just always wanted to do it. And then finally, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna, uh, so I googled, you know, improv and, um, cause I live in Columbia, Maryland, so I'm like halfway between Baltimore and DC. I was like, oh, the Baltimore one's a little closer, so I'm gonna do that one. I'm uh, so glad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then I, um, so yes, I started taking classes with, uh, the Baltimore Improv Group and, uh, got super, super addicted. <laughs> yeah. For lack of a better word, and, um, spent just, as as much free time as i could you know doing improv i've traveled the country doing improv um and it was all just cuz like and as i said earlier that i'm like always been sort of funny witty whatever and and have been a huge comedy fan you know watching sketch comedy stand up all that stuff um uh but i also hate you know like planning
1: mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: like, improv sounds perfect yeah. uh but um but yeah so it, that just took me on that. And then it's it's been just a huge part of my life. And, you know, yeah, done improv basically nonstop ever since.
1: Yeah. So do you find that it's like, has like a healing quality too? to you? Or would you describe it like in a different way? Like you said that it was like an addiction, right? Well, um, Which I totally get because before we all, we got like shut down, I was also, you know, like there like three or four nights a week and just like couldn't get enough
0: when you do something that makes you feel good, your brain releases dopamine and people like it when their brain releases dopamine. It's the same sensation that when you take, um, drugs, it's the same, yeah. you know, whatever it's, you know, it's that, it's that, uh, reward center in the brain and improv does that. So, uh, like I don't have, it's not a physical addiction, obviously, cause you're not, you know, you don't go through yeah. withdrawal, but you feel like you get like, if you don't do improv in a while, like, I mean, I've done significantly less improv during the uh coronavirus i mean so you know i'll I'll do a show or pop in an online jam and it's 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 great but it's obviously not the same um
1: i know i can't wait to like hand someone something imaginary yes imaginary
0: (laughs) instead of doing this on the camera like like, handing them the imaginary thing on stage yeah it's um it'll just be like same (laughs) (laughs) it's like oh that was That was good. I'm just needing to need a minute here. (laughs) The audience will be like, "We
1: don't, we don't get it." (laughs) Like you just don't understand how long I've waited to do that.
0: (laughs) (laughs) To hand someone a a newspaper that's imaginary, yeah. Um, I mean, I think for me, like, it was healing in that it created a safe environment for me, um, and just a place where I could feel really happy. And when you have a safe place where you feel really happy, you can't help but heal. Mm -hmm. Um, but. I don't know. I was in a pretty decent mental health spot when I started doing improv. Um, yeah. So, you know, I, I, I made a few other things change in my life and, um, and just, you know, also decided that, you know, it was sort of a now or never situation uh, which that it never is actually a real thing. It's an illusion in our head now or never. There's always, you can always do the thing. Uh, I just want to make that really clear, but Um, we have those moments where like, we have to do something and that was, and I I did improv and it was, it was a healing journey in that way, but it wasn't like, I didn't know how bad I was feeling to know how much better improv could make me feel, I guess, is a way to put it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There, there is this like interesting, like I'm finding, like in talking to people about healing, like it's, there's this interesting like line where like, obviously like, like healing can be can be like that you're suffering and you have this huge wound and you have to like get back to where you were before but then but then there's also like a sense in which like you can heal to like new heights that you've never been before right and like like be come better than you ever were so yeah i don't know i think creativity kind of like helps in that process but
0: yeah. I mean, I think something with just sort of the human condition is that we are trained or it's just sort of a bit self-preservation, but to think that the situation that we're in is normal, yeah. right? And to feel comfortable with it. Um, I know for me, because uh, I I, um, I had just really tough times in 2006 where I went on uh, behavioral meds, changed jobs, lost my insurance because healthcare is stupid, Um <laughs> And uh, so I stopped taking the meds, but I was feeling okay. Like I could manage, I could regulate and everything. Um, but even then, even while doing improv, uh, I was still like, it was just creeping back in. And like, I mean, it's still like, I, you know, improv was fun and all that. But um, so I, in like three years ago, two years ago, something like that, I started taking, uh, you know, uh, antidepressants again. And uh, it was so weird. Like when I first started taking them and felt like normal how foreign and it felt like it just felt like it felt terrible.
1: Like uncomfortable, like yeah.
0: Yeah, like I was like, I was like, what is I don't because I was so used to feeling like a little panicky, just yeah. kind of just sad, kind of numb. And then when I wasn't feeling that way, it just felt like so weird. And I was like, this is bad. I need to fix this. Um, but really, it was actually just sort of like how uh, like when you skin your knee, that scab itches for a little bit right before it actually heals. It was it was that in a lot of ways. Um, but. Yeah. So, you know, we're just uh, getting back to the point. It was a bit of a a digression, just like we feel, you know, we don't know what good is because we just like, as a matter of, I think, self-preservation, just learn to adapt to the circumstances we're given. So um, we always have the ability to do better, the ability to make things, uh, you know, make things feel better, make things seem better uh, when, you know, even though we may think it's like, oh, things are pretty good but the reality might be that they're actually bad. You've just gotten used to the way things yeah. are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I think that's actually like another really cool thing about improv, right? That, that like, you, like you learn it on stage or like in a classroom. And then it kind of applies to your life is sort of this idea of like letting go, right. Of just like starting over, um, you know, like you can't hold on to a scene like our, you know, like even if it's like the best scene ever, it just like ends and then you kind of yeah, start gone. over. Yeah. Yeah. I remember I was in a, like in a writer's group in Charlottesville and um, my friend Marianne like wrote this story and in her story there, she, she used this phrase like making, I don't even remember what it was, but it was like making X a solid thing. It was like making joy a solid thing or making this moment. And I like totally played drives from her and I used it like in every story and every poem and every like grocery list that I wrote, like from then on, I was like obsessed with this idea. And I think that like doing improv, like helped kind of cure me of that, where it's like some things, like maybe you want to make solid things, but other things like you just release, like you just like let them go. And
0: That's one of uh, the blessings and curses of improv a little bit. Um, and I think that's why people also start doing sketch because, like, that scene was so good. I gotta, you know, um, (laughs) preserve it. Yeah. (laughs) So you know, sketch is really taking that nebulous improv and making it a solid thing in a lot of ways. Not to say that improv is the only way to do sketch. Obviously, um, you know, people have been writing short comedic sketches forever, just the way they've been doing short improvised scenes forever. Um, but I think that like it's sort of the blessing and curse of improv is that because everything is so sort of ephemeral that um you know that imp- improv improvising i think in general tend to be a little bit more introspective um and reflective than it general and i think the more you do improv the more reflective you get and you sort of analyze things and then you end up a lot of us i think feel like are our own worst critics where we're only as good as our last scene or our last mm-hmm. show and um and so that's again it gets into a little bit of the addiction mem- uh, uh, <laughs> metaphor when it's like you chase that high of that good show the next time and um yeah. Yeah, so uh but it, that's a great I mean it just lets you roll with the punches cuz I just see um I mean this year with coronavirus yeah. uh these last 4 years in American politics uh, have been tumultuous and um I don't know just the ability to roll with the punches a little bit and I see it like um in my work as a teacher that I'm a lot less stressed out than a lot of my other colleagues cuz I'm you know I can I can let things go a little bit and I can um, take that information in and, you know, change it into something that suits me with my own input to build on it, whether, you know, whatever it might be. And, um, you know, it's, that's one of the, it's, um, it's a reason that, uh, one of the major professional development schools of thought right now is called applied improvisation. And, uh, it's people that, you know, improvisers that take, uh, improv skills and do corporate workshops, essentially for how to adapt, Uh, you know, how to use those thinking processes, you know, uh, whether it's like collaboration or, you know, confidence or vulnerability, whatever, all those skills from improv. Um, Um,
1: wait, so do you, have you done that? Like, like, have you, has your school done, done that? Are you, this is something that, I mean, I, I know that. Yeah.
0: Um, so almost every improv theater now has some version of a corporate training wing. Um, you know, UCB, second city, uh, Washington improv theater, Baltimore improv group, everybody, right? Like they, it's a thing that they do. Um, I've done a couple of trainings with some organizations I've been with. I've led some improv workshops at my school just to like, um, be silly a little bit, but also teach the mindfulness. Cause that's yeah. a word that everybody loves right now is mindfulness. Uh, and that's what improv is. You know, it's you're, you have to be mindful. You have to pay attention. You have to focus. Um, so I I've done, and I think it, it's, it's beneficial, uh, But I I, I don't know, for me, like improv is extracurricular more than anything, even though I mean, I've obviously I teach it because uh, I am, you know, it's just when I I'm the type of person when I do things, I like to also teach other people to do things. Uh, Like literally every job, every place I've been, um, like when I was in school, I was a tutor when I was in college, I was a TA when um, I worked at uh, my college radio station, I was teaching all the tech classes when then I'm now I'm an educator. And as soon as I started doing improv, I very quickly got into teaching improv. Yeah. Um, so it's also know,
1: like the wrestling coach, right?
0: Yes. I I'm also a wrestling coach. Uh, so, you <laughs> know, it's yeah, I, I coach football, I coach wrestling, I coach lacrosse. Uh, the, when the, the coronavirus sort of first shut down, everything, it was very weird to have a ton of free time. Yeah, what um,
1: did
0: you do? <laughs> Uh, I mean, <laughs> not, I mean, one thing I did is actually, cause, uh, you know, one of my other struggles has always been just like physical fitness. And so I really focused on that and I've gotten in pretty good shape over the mm-hmm. past six months. Um, and I've been like riding my bike every day, pretty much. Um, um yeah. Putting, doing about 17 or 17 to 20 miles a day and, and yeah. just getting, um, and, you know, trying to eat a little better. Like when I was going, cause, uh, previously I would, you know, leave my house at a little before six in the morning to go to school and then if I was doing improv and stuff, I might not get home till like 11 at night. So yeah. I was eating a ton of fast food just to like, you know, because um, it's not like I could be near a fridge where I could keep cooked food fresh. And, and,
1: yeah, right. Right. Um,
0: you know, even a sandwich is going to get all mushy and gross by eight, you know, sitting in your backpack for 18 hours. Yeah. Um, and so like I stopped eating fast food almost entirely. And that's, but I mean, and so hopefully when things start to revert back to normal, I can carry these habits through but
1: that's probably like another instance of where you're like i didn't realize like this is that that like that was normal before right
0: right yeah yeah Yeah. that that eating royal farms chicken boxes twice a week isn't necessary <laughs> necessar- delicious, delicious and
1: amazing
0: <laughs> um not to say that you know uh it's probably not the best way to do things you know as good as those western fries are you know it's uh you know, maybe, maybe, maybe cook your own little chicken breast and (laughs) something else. Um, so yeah, so that's, that's sort of been another aspect of it.
1: Cool. That's awesome. That's really awesome. Um, like, what would you say to someone who is listening to this, who used to think improv was like dumb or stupid or just like a silly thing, but now they're like, Hey, that actually sounds really cool. That sounds like maybe something I would want to try. Like what like, what could they do, you know, to take the plunge? And then also, you know, it's what, like, how can we incorporate improv just like into our everyday lives? Like, are like are there any, like, things that you do that are, like, come from improv in your everyday life that you can, like, share with us?
0: Uh, one, I would say that improv is a dumb, stupid, and silly thing. <laughs> but that's the reason you should do it. Because um, we all need a little more dumb, stupid, and silly uh, in our lives. And not, like... In the positive senses of those words. And I think that also sort of skews into, um, into how it gets into your life is that you take the positives in things a lot more, uh, and just approaching things from a place of yes, rather than a place of no, Mm -hmm. um, it's just gonna open up your world, uh, and the other the other big thing with improv is that it's that yes and. Um there's an exercise that uh a lot of corporate workshops have where they'll like pair you off with someone and have you plan a party. And uh you know, the first time they say you have to plan the party, but every time someone says something, you have to say no, but let's do this. Uh and then you don't get anywhere. Cause you say it's like, oh, we should have pizza at the party. No, but we should have crabs. No, but we should uh definitely have a theme. No. But we should have you know, they just never get anywhere, um, but then most of us say think we're saying yes, but we're actually saying yes, but where we kind of say like, oh, that's a great idea, but what about this uh, whereas just actually saying' it's like yes, that's you know it's like um, it could be you know it's like using the same party thing, it's like, yeah, you know let's let's have a party, we should have pizza, yes, and if people don't like pizza, we could have crabs for them too, and then you're building a better party, it's like in um you know, it's like yes, and we should. Uh, make sure that there are you know gluten free options for for diet reasons or whatever, and then you keep going from there um and and you just find the ways to work together to make the most people happy. Um, I would say if you're considering taking improv, uh do it, and you know everything's awful right now with the coronavirus like that's not an exaggeration, I feel like um, or
1: an excuse right
0: <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but one of the it's sort of a weird improv is having this weird, like amazing Renaissance right now with online improv where uh, people are doing shows with people all over the country, all over the world. Like I did a show, I've done shows with people in England, with people in India. Um, I just teched
1: a show for a bunch of people that have never met in person, like no one in the whole troupe had ever met in person before. And I was like, this is, crazy.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and like uh highway or improv that I'm, I'm working with right now. Uh, you know, they've just, they, you know, as of recording this, but not as of releasing this, uh, they had just start they just started their very first like run of shows and it's from people all over the world and it's an amazing thing. And right now, it, you know, you can do improv with the best improv teachers in the world. Yeah. The way you could, like, if I wanted to do an improv class with uh, Billy Merritt, who's a very well known and respected uh, UCB teacher a year ago, I would have had to go to LA and take a class uh, I live in the DMV and that's a long commute. So uh, I wouldn't be able to do that, but I literally just finished an online class with him. Um, just was as, it? it was great. It was amazing. Yeah. Um, he's a really good teacher. So, um, so you know, it's, uh, you can do that now. If you, you know, you used to have to live in Chicago to take second city classes. Now you can live anywhere there's an internet connection. Um, and so, you know, now is the time to do it. Uh, you know, cause then you're also going to get that more applied aspect. Cause you're not really going to be putting on a ton of shows. I mean, you could theoretically, but, right. uh, you're mostly going to be doing it from a perspective. You know, you miss out on a lot of like the interpersonal stuff and it's just, things are always like these, uh, online calls are great. Uh, like I haven't seen you in months and months so this has been awesome. You know, it, it's still better than not seeing people. Um, I was actually just uh one of my facebook friends like like met and fell in love with someone like just like doing online interactions and like moved cities and like like she's like throwing Did her life online improv um i don't know if it was improv necessarily but it was like various like online stuff and just connected with this person and um That's
1: so cute
0: and uh, my friend john winmuller that i mentioned earlier also like found a little bit of romance actually doing online improv so you know, like anything's possible. Um, so yeah. if you're really lonely, everybody, and you want to have a little chance of love, uh, maybe you could do a little online but No, uh, I, I don't think Great. That's... love is
1: the best medicine.
0: <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's uh that's every Doctor Who episode, right? The power of love triumphs <laughs> over everything. So
1: yes. yes, 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 Um so thank you so much for talking to you. This was like this is so fun to get to connect again and um it was the, I just really enjoyed our conversation about the different Same. Yeah. aspects of being vulnerable and, you know, finding a community through doing improv. So, um, how can people find you or follow you? And are there any projects or, you know, any pr- podcasts that you're working on or anything that you want to plug?
0: Uh, yeah. So, um, you can find me on Instagram at big Andy Mac. That's, uh, Andy Y M um, A and- C. Yeah, that's, that's where you can find me if you want to do that. Uh, as far as pro- uh, projects, I do a podcast called Silver Linings Playback. Uh, and my best friend, Joel, and I, uh, we watch bad movies and try to find the silver linings in them. Uh, <laughs> I love that. <laughs> um, yeah, you can find it wherever you get podcasts. Um, if you go to uh, my Instagram, there's the link tree in the Instagram bio. Um, but, you know, Apple, Spotify, Spotify. Stitcher wherever you get your pod, wherever you normally listen to podcasts we're all on there uh and it's been really fun and sort of a nice way because uh Joel my co-host lives in Los Angeles uh so you know we meet once a week and we watch uh bad movies and we've been doing it since May I think um so you know every Monday a new episode drops and so there's you know we do a different theme of movies every month and you can but we'll we'll see
1: yeah yeah Awesome. All right. Yeah.
0: Thank you so much. No problem.
1: Thank you for listening. And thank you so much to Andy for sharing his wisdom and wit with us. You can learn more about Andy and his podcast by clicking the links in the show notes. Just a reminder that a transcript of this episode can be found on the website time com. A braille version is available upon request. Thank you, as always, to my dear and talented friend Aaron Drew, who helps produce this podcast. Check out our company, On Brand Voice, for innovative copywriting and voiceover solutions. You can subscribe to the podcast to get alerts about new episodes. We also have a newsletter that you can sign up for on the website. Follow the pod on Instagram, Twitter, under the handle Time to Heal Podcast. We also have a Facebook group that you can join to connect with the community of listeners. And if you're interested in trying out improv, shoot me a note because we are always happy to have you.